Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Capoeira and very pleased to welcome our guest today, uh, Don Duncan Tonatiu, who is an author and illustrator and has got a book coming out soon, Game of Freedom, Best of Bimba and the Art of Capoeira. Welcome to the Live Capoeira. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So let's start at the beginning. How did your journey with Capoeira begin? Well, I first encountered capoeira when I was in college. I grew up in Mexico, but I have family in the UN, United States and Mexico. And so I ended up going to college in New York City. And there's a lot of capoeira in New York City. So sometimes I would see it in the street, you know. And I was curious about it, you know, took a few kind of random classes. But then when I really got into it at first, I studied abroad in Brazil, in Rio for a semester. This is a while ago now. This was in 2006. And so while I studied abroad, I did capoeira. There was this guy that worked at the university. He was kind of like a janitor, worked in like doing maintenance, but he was a capoeira mestre. He had this group called Grupo Igualdade. And um, and then he taught capoeira in the evenings uh, several times a week. And so I did capoeira there for that semester that I studied abroad. But then when I came back to, to New York after that, I got involved in other things and I didn't continue doing, doing capoeira for, for years. After I graduated from college, I came back to, to San Miguel in Mexico, San Miguel de Allende in Central Mexico where I grew up. And one day there was this kid doing something that looked like capoeira in the park. And I told him I knew a little bit of capoeira and we kind of started training together. And then there were other people that were kind of interested. And eventually this, uh, this guy from a nearby city called Querétaro he had moved to town and he had he had a lot more experience doing capoeira. He had been training for several years. So he became our instructor and it kind of went from there. Then we kind of became associated with this group in Mexico called Longe do Mar. And so there were other teachers that could kind of come and kind of guide us because we were kind of, you know, this little group. Central Mexico is a small, I mean, San Miguel is a small city in Central Mexico. So it's not like other large cities where there's a lot of groups and, you know, it was kind of... So yeah, so they they sort of helped us and guided us a little bit. And sometimes people would come visit us. And and that's been that. And you know, our group, our little group here in town had kind of ups and downs where kind of sometimes we're more consistent than others. We're a small community. Then with the pandemic, it all kind of fell apart, you know. But I was able to continue training, taking some, doing some stuff online with some of the teachers there in Mexico City, Mestre Cigano and Mestre Rosita from Longe del Mar, who are great teachers and who I wouldn't have the opportunity to train with regularly with otherwise. And so, uh, so yeah, so that's been great. And then just this last year, we've tried to kind of restart the, the group here in San Miguel, and it's going a little slow, but there's a friend from Querétaro, uh, the instructor that used to be here from Querétaro, he moved, but now there's a different uh, instructor, Contramestre, named Morcego, who comes once a week. And so we're trying to kind of restart the the little group here. That is a little bit of my experience and kind of my my journey with Capoeira. And in San Miguel, it's been about like eight years now that we've had a group here and kind of on and off. Great. Your books often focus on themes of things like social justice, art, history, and immigration. And it seems obviously Capoeira is a very good fit for that. Um, how long before you decided to write a book about capoeira? Because obviously you've got an illustrious career behind you. Many books have been written. What got you started with Game of Freedom? Yeah, so I mean, Game of Freedom is my 15th book, I believe, that I've worked on. Most of those books I wrote and, and illustrated. 
I've done a few books, picture books for, for young readers. That's what I focus on that a different author made. And I only did the illustrations, but I'm primarily an author illustrator. And, you know, all the books that I've done are very different from one another. Um, some are fiction, some are nonfiction. But one thing they've had in common so far is that they have to do with Mexican culture, Mexican-American culture some way. You know, I grew up in Mexico, but then when I when I lived in the U.S., I began to miss things about Mexico, and I became very interested in the art of Mexico and the culture of Mexico. And eventually, when I started doing books for for children, I, that's those were the themes that 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 I sort of um, that I started to talk about. But you know, like I said, I I've been doing capoeira for for a number of years now, and I always thought it'd be cool to 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 do a book about capoeira, a book for young readers about capoeira. And you know, I had done maybe some designs for a t-shirt or for posters or different things to promote our, our group here in, in, in San Miguel. But at some point, you know, I thought that it'd be cool to do a book about capoeira. And like you said, yeah, I think some, uh, even though it's not about Mexican culture, Mexican American culture, I thought that I could do hopefully a good job just because, you know, I'm not Brazilian, but I, you know, like I practice capoeira, so it's something that I'm kind of familiar with that I kind of, I feel I could hopefully do a good job talking about. I did go to Brazil. I mean, it's been a number of years, but I also feel like I had at least a sense of of the country and, and of different things. But then the challenge was like figuring out what the book would be about, you know, how how to turn it into, into a story, how to turn it into a book. And I had done, some of my books that I've done in the past have been like biographies. I did one of, for example, Guadalupe Posada, who's this artist in Mexico that made these very iconic, these very famous Day of the Dead calaveras, these Day of the Dead skeleton drawings. Or I made one about Amalia Hernandez, who's the founder of the, the of Mexico's Ballet Folklorico, the, the folkloric ballet of all these traditional dances from Mexico. So I thought that maybe that would be a way if I did like a biography, some success with those kinds of stories. And I thought that I could convince my publisher into that I've worked with for many years to to doing a book if it were a biography. And then one of the first people that came to mind was Mestre Bimba, just because he's such an iconic capoeirista. And, and you know, one of the challenges was that it needed to be a story. Like how do, like, I didn't want it just to be like a, like a Wikipedia entry or something, you know, but like how it needs to have a story, it needs to have an arc, it needs to be a tale of sorts so but I thought that he lended himself well to that because he was such an active person that did you know he created the the regional style of capoeira he he was the first one to open a, like an capoeira academy you know he created the sequences of movements there were a lot of steps and things that he made that I thought could could lend itself well to to making a story it's also very well researched as well the bibliography has got uh a number of books in there and it's well sourced. Um, which of those books did you find the most insightful to, to help with not just the book, but your own capoeira? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, one of the first things that, you know, when I started doing the book is, you know, capoeira is such a vast universe and I couldn't put everything in the book, you know? And so I was kind of trying to figure out what, what to include, but I felt I needed to really know a lot to hopefully do do a good job. And so one book that I found very helpful to have like a very kind of broad but thorough history lesson of Capoeira, I guess, is the Asunção. Let me just hear in the back of the book, I have the name of the book. One second. Uh, yeah, Asunção by uh, Asunção Matias Rodrigo. 
the his capoeira the history of an afro-brazilian martial art i would i would really recommend that book to people because he's a historian and you know it's a book that really goes into a history of capoeira but like gives a lot of context not of what was happening politically you know he has like an episode that is all about like the uh, like the the slave trade he has an episode like a chapter that's all about like fighting games not just in brazil but in other places and in africa so he gives you a really broad context of where capoeira flourished and how it flourished and what was happening in brazil and other and in other parts of the world at the time so I found that book super helpful for like to have a general overview of capoeira that I thought, in my opinion, is very well researched and, and very thorough. And then there were a lot of other books that I found par particularly insightful when it came more to bimba, like, you know, from Mestre Tapuan, from Mestre Acordeon, who were students of, of bimba. There's a really good documentary that, oh, let me just remember the title so I don't say it wrong. Um yeah, Mestre Bimba a Capoeira Iluminada. That one's really, that's a really cool. And, you know, you can find, I don't know how easy it is to find like the official movie, but you can find clips of it on YouTube that give a, a give a good idea of the, of the movie. So those were, those were some that were very, very helpful. And the other uh, resource that I recommend to people is the, the dossier, the, basically the document that, uh, that was put forth by, by the Brazilian, by the IFAN which is basically the Institute to preserve the, the history of Brazil. When they applied to make Capoeira be recognized as a, by the UNESCO, you know, as part of what is it called? Like an, an immaterial good of humanity. I hope I'm not messing that up, but it's in the author's note if you want the proper terminology. But so they put this document together that also talks about the history of Capoeira and why it should be considered as, as a, as, yeah, it's this intangible good for humanity. And that document, you know, in the back of the book has some, it has links or it has the sources for, for all these books that I'm mentioning, but you can find that online and it's a really cool document. You can find a PDF just, just there from, from the, from the fun. And it's great because it has a lot of photography from like the fifties. They have a version that's really visual with paintings from like the 1800s of Capoeira and they also have more kind of modern photographs. So it's a really good uh, resource that that I recommend to people that are interested into the into the history of of, of capoeira. Yes, it, um, I haven't seen the docu documentary myself, but the the history book and and the document you mentioned are both wonderful resources. I think the technical one was the intangible cultural heritage for the capoeira hoda was the title that they gave. Yeah, exactly. And whilst this was your first book that was maybe moving a little bit away from Mexican cultural heritage, there's still obviously the, the influence from the Mixtec codec artwork in the book. Would you like to tell us more about Mixtec codex art? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, when I was a, uh, when I was a student in college is when I kind of developed my style of making art. You know, like I said, I missed things about Mexico when I lived in the U.S. And so I became very interested in the art and the culture of Mexico. And for one of my projects, I started drawing in this style that is influenced by the codices, by the books that were made in Mesoamerican times by people like the Aztecs, the Maya, and the Mixtecs. You know, and there was this strong bookmaking tradition in, in Mesoamerican times before the Spanish and other Europeans came to the American continent. 
and people made books. Sadly, most of those books were destroyed during the conquest and, and then afterwards because they didn't agree or they didn't fit with the with the religious beliefs, you know, the time. So, you know, they thought they were books made by the devil and stuff like that, and they would burn them. So very few of these Mesoamerican books survive. Uh, but the the mystics and, and other groups had a very unique way of drawing where they always draw people in profile. The way they draw ears look a little bit like a number three. They're very stylized because the drawings they made were not only drawings, but they could be read. You know, the Mesoamerican books don't have letters in them, don't have writing in them the way our books do nowadays. They only had drawings, but the drawings could be interpreted, could be read. So they were very stylized so people could decipher them, basically. You know, they were kind of like, a little bit like emojis in a way, you know, that maybe it's a drawing, but you know what it means, you know what it's saying. Uh, and so I've been drawing, making books in this very stylized way for, for several years. For my Capoeira book, you know, I wanted to do something slightly different, but also similar so people could know that it was my work. So in the Capoeira book, I do have like people facing to the front, you know, with both eyes straight ahead, with which I never do in, in other books. And the way I draw ears is a little bit different. My thinking was that it didn't have to do with 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 Mexico or with Mexican Mexican American culture, so uh, so I decided to kind of make it a little bit different, but still not so different. You know, like when I did the faces in in the in the Game of Freedom book, I tried looking some at like finding other influences, also looking a little bit at like African masks, for example, as a source of inspiration for the way that I drew some of the faces. And I think there's a neat connection because. Like in Brazil and in other countries in Latin America, there's a strong like uh, naive art tradition, you know, art made by people that are not, that haven't gone to art school, basically, that don't draw in this like very kind of realistic or they're not properly trained or not, maybe not properly trained, but are not trained in a traditional and a classical way of making art, but they still do these very neat creative things, you know? And that kind of naive art, if you look a little bit with Mesoamerican art, they're sort of, they have a similar kind of vibe, a similar feel because they're not meant to be realistic drawings. And so people will do some very kind of creative things in the way they draw buildings and their choice of color and perspective and the sizes of people, proportions. So I also tried looking a lot of uh, at naive art, which is very popular in Brazil and in places like Bahia, you know, you can see paintings of, of the city and of the markets and whatnot on done in that style. So that's a little bit about the the inspiration about the the artwork for for the book. And what was it that led to you to writing uh, predominantly children's books? Because obviously you tackle pretty heavy issues, which I don't think children should be kept away from. But obviously it can be difficult to raise those issues in, in an appropriate and, and sort of sensitive way. Um, what was it that made you choose children's literature? Yeah, I mean, I to be honest, I sort of fell into it when I was in uh, in college. You know, the project that I did, my senior project, was this sort of graphic novel. It's too short to call it a graphic novel. Maybe you can call it a novella, graphic novella. But it was about a friend I met who was undocumented, living in New York, who didn't have the proper papers to be to be living there in the U.S. But you know, he had come into the U.S. without documents, and he was working there. And that's the situation of a lot of immigrants in New York, and and he and his coworkers were mishtek. So that's how I first became interested in, because in, there's modern day mishteks, but the mishteks were also a civilization hundreds of years ago. And that's kind of how I first became in, interested in mishtek art. But the project that I made my senior year was meant for adults, you know? Like by the time, since I was a teenager, I knew I wanted to do something with art. 
but I always considered doing art for adults. You know, maybe I'd be a painter and my paintings would hang in galleries, or I thought maybe I could be writer that writes for a newspaper or something, you know. Um, but I was always interested in both writing and drawing. And so I was working on my senior project and a professor at my university went to Parsons School of Design, which is part of the new school university in, in New York City. It's a school that's very famous for fashion, but they have other all sorts of other careers. This professor really liked my work and she thought it was interesting. And she had illustrated some children's books and she asked me if she could show it to this editor that she was friends with. And I said, yes, of course, you know. And so the editor saw it and he said, you know, this project that you're working on, it's not really for kids. That's what I focus on. And the way your book folds, because I made it fold like an accordion, the way Mesoamerican books fold it, he said, you know, it's kind of odd and it'd be hard to market or even have in a bookshelf. But, you know, if we receive a story that someone else writes that we think would pair well with your illustrations, we'll get in touch. And that's often the case for picture books. If you go to your, you know, your public library or bookstore and go to the picture book section, you'll see that usually one person writes the story and another person does the illustrations. But I told this editor that I like writing. I was taking all these writing classes in college. Maybe I could write the story. So then he gave me some very basic tips about picture books. You know, he said they're usually 32 or 40 pages long so that the book, you know, when it gets printed, there's no paper wasted. And that's usually a good length for the book. Leave a copyright page, leave a title page. And if you write something, send it to me. I would suggest you make your character like a young person or maybe an animal, someone that kids can identify with. And so sometime later, while I was still finishing up my year, I had an idea for a story about two cousins, one that lived in a rural community in Mexico and that lived in an urban center in the U.S. And I wrote it out. I typed it out. I thought I should make a rhyme like Dr. Seuss because kids love Dr. Seuss. And I sent it to this editor and he responded some days later and he said, you know, I really like your idea of this book about these two um, cousins. I think it would make a good book. I think you would do a good job illustrating it, but no rhyming, please. Your rhymes are not very good at all. And I was a little disappointed when he said that, but I, you know, I rewrote the text, I revised it and something that I have to do with all my books, even today, you know, I always have to revise the story several times, but eventually it became my, my first published book, a book called Dear Prima Letter to My Cousin. Uh, and, you know, 15 years later, I've been working with the same editor. We've worked on more than 10 books together. And it's been a, it's been a wonderful thing because I get to write and draw, which are things that I've loved doing since I was a kid. And I think... You know, I, yeah, I've taken on subjects like Capoeira, but yeah, also subjects like, you know, immigration, like segregation, all sorts of different topics, others that have to do with art and different artists. And I think all these topics can be shared with children. It's hopefully just doing it in a way that's kind of more than appropriate. I think that they can connect with, you know, that they, they, they can, yeah, that they can, um, yeah, that they can connect with, that they can connect with the, the characters in the story. And that, and that is, you know, that is appropriate for them, I guess, you know, um, um, so, so it's been wonderful, but that's how kind of what my journey into, to writing children's books uh, has been like, and hopefully I'll keep on doing it for many, many years. Cause I, I really love it. Was Game of Freedom your editor's first introduction to Capoeira or were they already aware of the art? Yeah. So Game of Freedom, you know, one of the first things he said when I shared with him was like, oh, this is, you know, this is good. This is interesting, but. How do you say that word? Capo what? How do you pronounce that? Like he had no idea, you know? But yeah, you know, the book, my book, Game of Freedom, or there's a Spanish edition of it that will be available. I'm not sure if it's going to be available in the UK, but it'll be available in the US called Juego de Libertad. Um, it's meant for the public at large. You know, it's meant for kids that 
have never seen capoeira, that they don't know what it is. I mean, you know, I try to research it well. And so that hopefully if, you know, people have been doing capoeira for many years and know a lot about capoeira, hopefully they'll see the book and they'll think that it's good and that there's nothing there that's all, you know, mistaken or whatever. You know, I try to be very careful and hopefully try and, you know, depict things as accurately as possible. But hopefully they'll they'll appreciate and enjoy it and thinks that it contributes something to to the to the capoeira canon as well. But it's meant for the public at large, you know, people that know nothing about capoeira. Well, it's a lovely book. It's released in the UK on the 23rd of November. And by the time this episode goes out, it will already have had its US release, which I believe is the 24th of October. I know that we've got listeners all over the world, though. So I'm not sure about things like Austria, Australia and Asia and, and so on but, and, and Africa, but um, I'm sure somewhere online you will be able to find it. I'll link to it below in the episode description. The question I'd like to finish with is what is capoeira? Well, I think, you know, I think it's an art. You know, I think capoeira is an art. It's very kind of, you know, it's so many things at once that I think it's hard to just that, that I think why art is one of the best ways to, to describe it, you know, because I think it's also a game, you know, I think that's another important thing that separates Tapuera from other martial arts or dances or other things, you know, so I think those would be two of the things that, that I really think about, you know, because it has, you know, especially with Bimba, who emphasized kind of the martial art aspect of it, but, you know, Bimba was also such a a talented and innovative musician that the music was also such a part of it and the cultural part of it you know Bimba was also really involved in in Candomblé and just in in the in the culture of Bahia and the and the and the Afro-Brazilian culture and so Capoeira I think what's so wonderful is that all those things you know it's culture it's music it's art it's it's a game and I think that's um that's one of the the kind of I don't know those are all words and and things that come to come to mind and i think why why it's so appealing to to so many of us you know brilliant well thank you very much for giving up your time to to come on the podcast are there any closing thoughts or comments you'd like to to share with our listeners before we sign off i just you know i really really appreciate the opportunity i hope people have a have a chance to 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 check out the book you can find out out a little bit more about my my art and my artwork and my books on my website, which is just duncanatonatiu.com, or in Spanish, you want to pronounce my name, Duncan, so you can call me Duncan, you can call me Duncan, and then there's a little bit more info about me and about some of my books and where you can find me on social media and whatnot, but um, but yeah, thank you for for this opportunity. I I, I really appreciate it, and I hope, uh, I hope it's interesting and it contributes to this vast Capoeira universe. That's been brilliant. Thank you. Uh, we'll be linking to all of those websites and social media as well as the the book itself in the episode description so thank you very much for listening and if you'd like to get in touch you can find us at the lifecapoeira at gmail.com or on instagram and facebook i'm very keen to hear from capoeiristas of all levels from estrays right down to beginners from all over the world so if you'd like to come on or nominate somebody that you know please do and until next time ciao